Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. I believe that's on page 672 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the reading of the Word. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading for today is from Luke's Gospel and Luke's account of Jesus being baptized. Listen again with fresh ears. We are in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and then 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptized you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is at hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. To 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my son the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the old baptism joke goes something like this. It had rained in front of a family's home and there were two boys, maybe five and four years old, and his parents 
their parents were watching them play in the puddles as they both did dishes from the kitchen. They could see out and see into the road. Road was safe. It was okay for them to play there. But the potholes right in front of their house had filled up with water. And they watched their older son, their five-year-old, take the four-year-old's head, dunk it into the water, and pull it back out. Well, they're petrified, and they come out, and both of the boys are laughing. And they said, what you, what, why did you do that to your brother? He said, Mom, we were just playing church. I was baptizing him in the name of the Father and the Son, and in the hole you go. In the hole you go. Holy ghost sounds... If you have to explain it, Pastor, I don't know. In the hole you go. Today is about baptism. Let's look chrono chronologically at where we are since Christmas. So we came through the whole event of Christ's miraculous birth. Last week, as I mentioned with the stars earlier, we talked about Epiphany. Epiphany was that time when the stars led the wise men to the baby Jesus. And the reason we passed out the stars was that in some way we are hoping that God will bless those words and communicate with us, not just with those stars, but in a variety of ways. Again, you can get yours after worship. So from epiphany, and that word meaning an encounter, an appearance with God, we move on to the very next Sunday, which is baptism. Why baptism today? Well, we're moving mostly chronologically the next thing that happens after Jesus is born, there are kind of two, a couple of quick things. One, on the eighth day, he is presented in Luke's gospel and taken to the temple where he is dedicated to God at the temple service and his name fully given. In the Jewish tradition, you wouldn't name your child right when your child was born. It was only when that child went to temple and on that eighth day to be dedicated that the child was named, which is one of the reasons why we say the full Christian name when we baptize. Again, in that tradition, it wasn't until that time where you knew what the child's name was. So Jesus was, we would look back and say baptized, but set aside, consecrated, dedicated to God. You have Simeon and Anna. Simeon was a righteous person. They came and spoke to us and lit uh, some of our Advent candles this year during Advent. Simeon was told that he wouldn't taste, see death until he held the Messiah. Prophecy fulfilled. Saw the baby Jesus. Anna was a righteous person who was always at the temple and also, also confirmed that this was the Messiah, the Christ child. The only other thing that we know before this baptism is that Jesus is 12 years old in Luke's account and his getting lost, well, his parents losing him and he wound up at the temple. If you remember, they had come to Jerusalem for Passover that year and they all left. They were a day's journey away and they were looking for Jesus. Where is Jesus? I don't have to marry have to Joseph. I don't know. I don't know Jesus. Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. So three days it took them to find Jesus. Running, storming back to Jerusalem, checking everywhere in the city and the last place you would expect to find a lost 12-year-old at the temple with the rabbis talking about scripture and faith and theology 
and they were all amazed. And Jesus says to his parents, and they said, where have you been? They said, well, you should have known I was in my father's house. Oh, Messiah, adolescent attitude. So those are the only things that we know about Jesus before the baptism. And so in Luke's account, all four gospels give accounts, and that's important to notice. As we know, the gospels give different accounts of different things, and when all four give an account of an event, it's something we need to pay attention to. So here, John does less, but the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all tell from some different angles Jesus being baptized. So in Luke's account, obviously preceded by John the Baptist, as we heard this morning. John tried to make it clear because people kept asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And he says, no, 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 no. I'm using water. This is symbolic. I baptize you with this earthly element, but one will come. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So made clear it wasn't him. There was one to come. And so in Luke's gospel, we pick up after Jesus has been baptized. Because he says, now when all the people were baptized and Jesus with them, so we don't have this individual account, we don't have this necessarily the set-aside moment with Christ, all the people were baptized in Jesus, and it's only when Jesus is in prayer, immediately following his baptism, that the event happens. The sky opens up. The Holy Spirit descends, and only Luke says the Holy Spirit takes a bodily form like a dove. The others, we think, oh, it's a symbolic way to show the presence of the Spirit. Luke says there was a bird there. There was a duck or something that flew that came down from heaven. It's a dove. That is the Holy Spirit that came upon him. And then the words... God says, this is my son, the beloved, or in other words, with whom I love, and I am proud of him. Aren't those fantastic words? You are my child. I love you, and I am proud of you. Gosh, don't we seek that in our lives even as a child, if our parents routinely reminded us that they loved us, we often need to seek that more complete package. You are my child, I love you, and I am proud of you. Gosh, what would it be like if we could share this more often with our children, children, with your parents, with our siblings, with our extended family? even with those maybe in the workplace or our friends in appropriate ways. Can't run around telling people you love them, HR is not going to like that so much, and your friends will think you're weird. But if we could taper that some, and let's say you're in the workplace and you're done with a project and you say, George, you know what? I've really appreciated you as a colleague on this project. You have a lot of gifts and I don't mean to sound condescending, but I am proud of you. You worked hard and did a great job. Would the workplace be different? I bet it would. We all crave that. We all have some degree of a lack of self-esteem in some area. We're all human. That's a part of what comes with it. 
But this baptism is seen as a start of Jesus's earthly ministry. And what did Jesus know and when did he know it? We're not quite sure. Did he know as a child that he was the Messiah? Probably not. Did he know as an adolescent? Maybe that 12-year-old was figuring it out. I, I don't know. We don't know. But it's pretty sure that when Jesus hears the word of his father and mother is an appropriate biblically scriptural image anyway, parent is a better word but less relational. When he hears that word from his parent, his word from his father, and says, you are my son. I love you and I am proud of you. And he hadn't even started his ministry yet. Hadn't even started that we're aware of. And so we think at this point, Jesus has some knowledge of what's going to happen to him and it's not all good. He's getting ready to be chased out into the wilderness in Luke 4. We're in chapter 3 here. To face the devil. If Jesus had broken and given in to any of those temptations, we wouldn't be here. The world would be a different and awful place. But he didn't. What gave him the courage to move forward? What gave him the courage to live fully as a human being that experiences joy and reward and good food and fun and also brokenness and despair and hurt and pain and grief? I believe it is this moment where God is with Jesus and reinforces that no matter what he's getting ready to walk through, no matter what is getting ready to happen, God is with him. That should override this lack of self-esteem that we often have, especially when it comes to faith. So our first challenge is to figure out some way to use that simple phrase as God did with Christ. Who do we tell and how can we tell them in appropriate ways that they are special to us, that we love them, and that we are proud of them? Let that be goal number one for the week. So number two, the baptism itself. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. That's for the remission of sin and claiming new life in Christ. So why was he baptized? Well, again, we see this as a new beginning. And we see this as Jesus participating with us as human beings. As I mentioned before, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. How exactly do you have two fullies and one person? It is a challenge, but we know as I mentioned before, Jesus experiences the highs of life, the lows of life, the joys and the pain. He feels every bit of betrayal from his friends. He feels and celebrates everyone that he heals and brings to Christ. He feels the nails on the cross. And he feels the new life as he rises to new life on Easter, fully as one of us. So it is by his example that we are baptized and seek to baptize the world in his name, as he says in Matthew 28, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. But it marks a new beginning. 
It marks a new start. This is the beginning of Jesus's earthly ministry. It's placed here on purpose for a reason. We are in the beginning of a new year, 2019. Whether it snuck up on us or whether we are ready for it, ready or not, here we are. What an amazing opportunity we have in this year. As we look at the world, we see the profound need for the love of Christ in our own hearts, in our own church, and in our own corners of the world. To take those, to take it out, so Christ ripple effects out from our sanctuary here, as I hope it does from every church around the globe, from all believers everywhere, in whatever ways they worship. The world needs to hear the grace of Jesus Christ more now or as much now as it ever has. So what helps us in addition, if we can think of God speaking to us the way God did to Christ, you, insert name, are my child. I love you and I am proud of you. Regardless of where you have been, regardless of what you have done, regardless of even how you have treated me or believe in me on whatever level I made you, I am your parent, your creator, redeemer, and sustainer. I love you and I am proud of you. Cut free the rest of the mess and know that you are loved despite all of our shortcomings, which we all have. This is a new start in a new year. When you couple this baptismal message with Isaiah 43, one of my favorite verses of Scripture, this supposed God of wrath that only seeks to punish is seen in a very different light. I'll remind you what John read to you this morning. I have called you by name we've talked a little bit about when Jesus was named and our baptism, it's a naming and claiming ceremony from God. I've called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He doesn't say you're not gonna pass through the waters. He doesn't say you're not gonna have difficult time. He says, when you go through that, I'm with you, you're not alone, I'm there. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Doesn't say you're not going to walk through flame. It doesn't say that bad things aren't going to happen. But God says, I am with you. And it is these elements, fire and water, that God uses through Isaiah Images that we look through the Bible. There are times when water and fire are awful and scary and overwhelming and destructive and bring death. But there are also moments where God uses water as in creation. As in when the Israelites are freed as slaves and come through the Red Sea, going in as slaves, coming out to new life, freed and in the wilderness. The fire that Malachi talks about in his third chapter, the refiner's fire, God burning away all that stuff 
that we don't need to make us more closely who God would want us to be. The understanding of Moses in the Exodus, uh, in Exodus about the burning bush, it was on fire. He stepped aside to see what was going on, and it was not consumed. Fire also is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost descended with tongues of flame and so forth. But God says, you're going to go through it, just as he said to Jesus. He didn't say, now that you were baptized, now that you believe in me, you are clear sailing, my friend. And Jesus knew this, that he said, you will not go alone. And later in this passage, again, God in first person, personally relational, God to us. Because you were precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. What more do we need to know to be able to have the confidence to follow Jesus Christ? You couple that phrase that God says to every one of us, that God said to Jesus, you are my child, I love you, I am proud of you, and you couple it with Isaiah's. God speaking through Isaiah, I, you are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. God speaking directly to us. So what do we have to fear? Not a dang thing. We allow ourselves to be overcome by fear, and it is time for us to stand up and leave it behind us. So much of life we live in fear. We are manipulated by fear to get us to buy things, to get us to vote for things or people, to get us to motivate us to do certain things. And it's almost impossible not to have fear of some sort or another. Fear sometimes is positive motivation. But the fear that often we live in is fear that paralyzes us. Let's talk about church for a minute. Let's talk about First Presbyterian Church. We are coming up on my one-year anniversary next month. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we get a little closer. So I've seen and watched and preached and worshiped we have together. You have taught me. I have taught you. We've come to know each other to a certain degree. It's just one year. Haven't been able to visit with everybody yet, but I'm gonna. And I can't wait to see how we grow together. And in 2019, we need to look at Jesus' baptism and beginning as our new beginning in ministry. I've had enough of our paralysis. I've had enough of our status quo. Status quo is not all bad, but that's exactly where it is. It's not great. It's not awful. We're just kind of moving along, doing our own thing. If we keep status quo and we don't change a thing, there's a Chinese proverb that says, if we do not change direction, we are going to wind up the way we are headed. Think about that for a second. If we do not change our direction, we may likely wind up where we are headed. And we're not headed to a bad place. This is a great 
church filled with great people. It has a fantastic tradition and history that we have been blessed to inherit. And we value that and honor that. At the same time, it is time for us to open ourselves to the future to see where we are going. Now, we're going to do this together. Variety of ways. And it's exciting to me. I can't wait to see what will happen in what direction God will lead us in 2019. But this is a pivot year for us. I pushed a little bit here, pushed a little bit there. But it's time. It's time for us to celebrate who we are and where God is calling as we too are being raised up from our baptism. It is not fear that we should live in to say, oh, he's a walking preacher. If you go two more steps to the left, the right people are going to get upset and they may not come back. Or if I take two steps to the right, preacher, you go two more steps and the left people are going to get all upset. And guess what? They contribute and If you keep walking, we're going to shut this church down. So, okay, paralyzed. We'll not do a thing. That's where we can live. And it's not where we were called to be. Certainly not where I'm called to be. I'm not a priest called to administer the last rites. And don't understand, that's not where I think we're heading because we are not. But this church has been blessed Financially, many endowments. We can cruise on and not change a thing and head on down the road. What we cannot do is follow the lead of Congress as they often kick the can down the road to the next people who come along so they won't have to deal with it. We are in a moment where we have to deal with it. And our future is so bright and I am so excited. Our demographic bones from infants Children, youth, adults, midlife, older adults are fantastic. This is our time to open things up, to grow, to welcome them in, and it's going to take all of us. All of us. No longer can we rely on that 20% that do all the work. If we are going to grow and succeed and follow where Christ is leading us, it's time for all of us to say, how can I help? If you think children are important at the church, maybe you did your Sunday school teaching for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, and you say, well, now it's time to let them take it. Well, great. Thank you for what you've done. You have changed lives, but you need to plug in somewhere else. Go talk to Debbie Spear and say, where can I plug in? This is the time I have. What can I do? If you think youth are important in this congregation, Go talk to Chris Monroe and say, I've got some time here and here. How can I help? Whatever those weak areas, as you might see the church, are the areas we need you to stand up and get involved. And things will change. And we will grow. Not to do away with our tradition, but to stand on it and from that welcome others into who we are as a congregation. 
We start again today. We start again in this new year, proclaiming that it is time for us to respectfully grow and open ourselves to start to see where God would have us go. I am ready. I am excited. Are you? Are you ready? Will you stand and will you allow yourself to be baptized again for the beginning of this new ministry? All those in favor say aye. Aye. I'm not going to ask those who are opposed. We are a church. We love everybody and everybody's a part of this church family and we will move forward together to the best of our ability, but we will move, yes, with the full and certain knowledge that whenever water we walk through or fire we go through, God loves us and we are precious as individuals in the congregation in God's sight. And also with that sure and certain knowledge that God looks at each of us and says, you are my child, I love you, and I am proud of you. Then let us stand up to the fear that often paralyzes our church and every church that seeks to grow and welcome and deepen its commitment to Jesus Christ. So having heard that we are all ready, let us go forward into this new year rising into our new baptism to claim the new life that Christ has for us. Hallelujah. Amen.